life is hard. It's not a bumper sticker or the glass half empty kind of hard. It's a reality in which we live and breathe as human beings on this planet. And you know what? The year 2020, 2021 has been incredibly hard. It's been full of pandemic restrictions, of not really knowing what's going to happen in the world around us. A year where we collectively listened to the experts and read everything we could and tried to make the best decisions that we could in any given moment and still had no control over what was going on around us. No assurances of when or if it was going to be over. It has been a traumatic year for just about everyone. A long time ago, I learned that there are three main components of suffering. The very first component is pain. It's just the average thing, the bumping our shin, doing things. It's just the everyday pain that we feel. But suffering comes into play when there's a lack of control over when and how that pain happens and when there's a lack of predictability about when it's going to happen next or what might come next. Because humans can bear a lot of pain, but it's the suffering that really gets to us and wears us down. Those three things together, pain, lack of control, and lack of predictability, kind of have a big impact on our human psyches. They wear us down and they break us out of our normal experience of life into something that we call suffering. This is why um, doctors have learned to give patients control over dosing their own narcotics when they're in severe pain. Because people will give themselves much less morphine when they have control of that button. Because they know they have control over something. And it's the pain isn't the bad part. It's the fear of something they can't predict. The pandemic year has been a period of no control whatsoever. And for people who have a hard time with ambiguity, it's pushed some pretty serious buttons. It explains why a portion of the population refuses to wear masks. It may be the one area of their lives that they could take control. They could feel like they had some agency in their lives during the middle of all of this not knowing. They preferred to risk infecting themselves and the people around them over feeling helpless. Now the pandemic has brought suffering and loss and pain along with uncertainty and lack of control. So it is the trifecta of, for human psyches. It's been an interesting thing for my own personal life after I've come out of a very challenging five years personally. Starting back in 2016, my dad died after a long, long time suffering from ALS. And then a short five weeks after he died, my mom, who had been vibrant and alive and still working, suffered a massive stroke. And she ended up being in care until she died in the spring of 2017. And while that was going on, my wife's father fell and broke his hip in the spring of 2017, negotiating one of those huge falling house of cards where they had to be immediately got, um, moved into assisted care because her mother had been um, suffering from dementia for many years. <laughs> to make it even worse, uh, my wife was diagnosed with cancer, um, I think uh, 
just a week before her mom died in 2018. And then she had a bout, a second bout of cancer and was actually in the hospital from consequences when her dad died in 2019. So it has been an exhausting four years and we were so looking forward to 2020 as a time when we might recover <laughs> and get some of our lives back, get our feet back underneath us. Yeah, they say, if you wanna make God laugh, make a plan. So all of our plans for recovery were off out the window. We delayed plans to return for her parents' interment ceremony into uh, New York. And I haven't seen any of my extended family or even my son for almost two years now. Over this time, we have followed the science. We have masked, we have stayed in our house and we have isolated. We have, despite all of that, I have to say that we have had it pretty good. I know so many people who have it so much worse during this past pandemic year. One woman couldn't see her mother in a care facility for the entire year. Her mother had dementia and she just was, they would not let her go in to see her. <sighs> My friend lived with fear of what was gonna happen, lack of control, lack of predictability, fear that she was gonna lose her mom without ever seeing her again. And some of her fears did come true. Her mom did sicken with the disease and did die, but luckily she was able to go in and spend the last day with her, spend the last hours with her mom saying goodbye, which was a blessing because so many people have not even had that. So many people have had to say goodbye to somebody they loved without being able to hold a hand or stroke a forehead or give that last hug. In my family, in your family, in families all across the country. There's been so much loss and so much pain, so much inability to predict, so much uncertainty. Frances Weller wrote, this is the experience of trauma. Trauma is any encounter, acute or prolonged, that overwhelms the capacity of the psyche to process the experience. In these times, what confronts us is too intense to hold, integrate, or comprehend, end quote. I think those words describe this past year and a half, no control, little to no certainty of if or when it might end, loss of friends and family, loss of time with people we love. There have been no parallels even in our recent memory from which we can draw upon to gain perspective or to see how did they do it before so that we can do it again and get through it. We are, we are making it all up as we go along. As a society, we have collectively experienced a major trauma and it's gonna take a long while for the consequences of what's going on right now to even become apparent. The Uses of Sorrow by Mary Oliver. In my sleep, I dreamed this poem Someone I loved once gave me a box full of darkness. It took me years to understand that this too was a gift. Thus ends the reading. We are in the process now of emerging from over a year of being lost in a foreign landscape. We've been living in a box full of darkness where we couldn't see the, our hand in front of our face. Not only could, not, could we not find solid ground, at times, we weren't even sure it was there. That darkness was scary and unsettling. 
It turned many ideas and assumptions that we'd had on our head up, became down, in, became out. Our urge to gather together to offer comfort was the worst thing we could do. Simple gestures of connection like hugs were not allowed. It's tempting. As we stumble onto a new shoreline now, as we stumble out of the pandemic, to just try to put it all behind us, to whoop and holler and laugh and hug and celebrate the return of the light. I mean, we have to celebrate. Our lost lives are being found. Our lost connections are being restored. And that is right and good. But I'm going to respectfully suggest that we should maybe be prepared for some unexpected consequences. We should allow ourselves to be open to feelings and perceptions which may not quite make sense. Muller says that trauma takes us out of our familiar reality and changes our relationship with the world around us. And that the bigger and more stressful the event, the bigger our bodies respond to that trauma. In really overwhelming trauma, the end result can be something which feels like loss of soul, loss of meaning and purpose. Weller calls it soul loss. When we are experiencing soul loss, we get stuck in what feels like a barren landscape, and we cannot find our way back to our old reality. I'm sharing this because that was my experience after those five years of loss and almost losing my wife. There was so much overlapping loss within that time. There was the sale of my childhood home, which closed on the exact same day that a final contract was made on Sharon, Karen's childhood home. All my bearings were shifted, and I felt completely lost in at sea. It was puzzling and disorienting, because on the surface, most things looked the same. The world was still a beautiful place that I'd always known it to be. I could see it in my mind. I could recognize it with my intellect, but I couldn't feel it anymore. It was as if something inside me had died, and I couldn't really find anything that was pulling me forward, that was giving me life. And I tried all kinds of the things which had worked in, the, in past times of depression. I journaled. I tried writing poetry. I saw my therapist. I engaged a ministry coach. I read inspiring authors like Francis Weller. If I followed any bit of life that stirred within me, looking for that bridge back to my old self again. But the problem was, I could not go back to that old self. My parents were gone. That safe center for family life in Ohio had been sold. There was nothing to go back to. The assumption that my wife was healthy and was going to be with me for a long time, that assumption had been shaken badly. It was not going to come right back. I couldn't go back. So what I did was just pay attention. I listened to my body and to my heart. And while nothing seemed particularly engaging, I did feel this tiny call to green. Didn't know what it meant, and Karen and I spent long hours discussing what it could be, because it wasn't an idea. It was a feeling. It was a longing for trees, for grass, for meadows, for birdsong. It was a yearning to get away from traffic and congestion, to find a space to breathe. 
So last spring, as the pandemic closed everything down, Karen and I started looking for a new house out in the country. We came up with a general plan, but mostly just looked at anything and everything that came up on the real estate listings that might call to us. Eventually, we found a home outside of Woodstock, Illinois. And we went in to see it only because it had a cool stove. The outside had been unimpressive and not what we thought we wanted. You know, once we walked into the house, something woke up in me. I finally began to feel a sense of possibility, an inkling of a way forward again. Now the house was a mess. The previous owner had died over a year previously without any heirs. So it had, was full of everything you can possibly imagine. In fact, it took us six large dumpsters full to clean all of the stuff, all of the leftover accumulated detritus of a, of a eight decade life and be able to make space for us. And even with all the stuff we threw away, there was still a whole bunch of good furniture and good stuff that we integrated into our own life. There was a lot there. So we worked and we worked and we reclaimed a house that had been unintentionally neglected as its owner grew older and less healthy. This spring, oh my gosh, this spring we've really gotten going. We put in six raised garden beds. We planted an herb garden. We planted numerous native trees and bushes. And just yesterday, planted nine fruit trees for a little fledgling orchard. We joined the local land conservancy group and we've become co-owners in a brand new co-op that's being formed. In short, we've reinvented ourselves and I'm finally, finally beginning to feel the beauty that has been here all along. I'm finally able to experience the joy of connection to earth and sky, which had gone away for such a long time. I'm both the same person and the new one, emerging from the dark night of the soul. As all of us come out of this pandemic trauma, this year and a half that we've lived through, I'm guessing that a lot of people are gonna be needing to find new ways of being alive and finding their ways back into life again. As we've heard so many times, we're not returning to normal, we're returning to a new normal, one that we might not even recognize. You can see it in the wild housing market with so many people out there looking for houses, looking to make a brand new start. I know three people personally who have sold their homes, who have cleared out years of accumulated treasure that no longer fit who they were and who are making space for a new post-COVID reality. Now, I'm not telling you all to go out and get new houses or even move, but I'm saying that something big has happened to us and we have to make space for our bodies and our minds and our psyches to adjust to the immensity of this change we have experienced. It was large, it was life-changing, it was disorienting. It's been challenging, but there's an opportunity to use this experience to grow into fuller and richer versions of ourselves, to break out of situations and habits which no longer serve. If we approach consciously, we can open to widening, to exploring, to learning new things about who we want to be in the world. 
Now we could just brush past it, focusing only on getting back to some normal, getting back to the old you. But the danger there is that trauma and pain that you have experienced will continue to live on in your body, continue to wear on you, maybe even take the joy out of life and to pop up unexpectedly with some painful trigger when you're not expect fearing it, not expecting it. So my advice is allow yourself to really be present to all of the sadness and loss you have experienced during this pandemic time. Don't look at the silver linings, they're there. Don't look at the serendipitous moments, but pay attention to your sadness. It is out of true grief that we can transform ourselves into richer, wiser, and happier human beings. Just like in the Velveteen Rabbin, we are bumped and banged up. We are tossed all over the place on that journey to becoming fully ourselves. Like the skin horse said, it takes a long time. You become, and generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all. Because once you are real, you can't be ugly. You can only be you, end quote. We are on a journey now to become our fullest and most true real selves. We have experienced a collective journey together into the darkness that is unprecedented in recent history or memory. Don't be afraid. This is an opportunity. Pay attention your own experience. Pay attention to your own journey. Listen to where your heart is calling you, whether that's a big move, whether that's simply a change in how you show up, how you relate to the people around you, how you listen to your own heart's call. The cure for soul loss is soul repair. It's allowing space and time to construct a new, more nourishing, more connected life in which we can live and breathe and have our beings, human beings together. As the pandemic continues to recede into memory, give yourself the gift of time and patience and compassion. Give yourself the ability to ponder, dream, and imagine. Give yourself time to heal. Lost hearts can always be found when they are born again in love. Amen, and blessed be.